Welcome to week two of this series that we're calling Human. Uh, it's a series where we're exploring some of the biggest questions that we ever ask. Uh, questions around who am I? What's my purpose in life? Why does it hurt so much? Huge questions that we all ask from time to time and certainly in the world at the moment, many, many people are asking. And this week, we're asking one of the biggest questions. But as we get into this, I owe you an apology because last week I said something that wasn't right. You see, last week we were talking about what the word human means. And I was saying about how it comes from the idea of being from the dust or from the earth. And that kind of shows us that we're therefore neither God, because we're from the earth, but we're not nothing because we're created from the earth. It's not just that we're kind of accidental. And those two things kind of change how we see ourselves. But I said that human is where we get our word hummus from, you know, the food stuff. And of course, that is not true. Uh, as has been pointed, pointed out to me, actually, the word hummus is an Arabic word from the word chickpea. <laughs> yes, there's quite a difference between humans and chickpeas. So I do apologize. There is a massive difference between chickpeas and humans. Uh, so sorry for misleading you as you were tucking into your hummus this week. But of course, actually, that raises an interesting question that we will look at this week. Because there is a huge difference between chickpeas and humans. But why? Why do we treat humans differently from other natural things? That's one of the biggest questions that we're going to be looking at today. And to help us with that, we're going back to Genesis chapter 1, the, the, the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, ancient wisdom for us, that as we'll discover, lays some foundations that are too important to ignore. So let's hear again some opening words from Genesis. And as last week, we kind of had the creation account all about when God was involved in creating the, the mountains and the sky, the universe, the beasts, the, the wild animals, all of that. And then we get to the pinnacle. And so we're going to have read to us Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to the end of the chapter. Let's listen in. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. 
God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. In the early 1900s, an amazing discovery was made in Egypt. A group of archaeologists and scholars found a huge hoard of ancient documents, manuscripts and papyrus that came from the Roman Empire and with lots of fascinating documents. Some of them were public, some of them were private, and it also included some private letters. And one of those letters was a letter from a Roman soldier, a man named Hilarion, to his wife Alice. And it's a kind of almost mundane, normal letter in which he tells his wife not to worry about him, he tells her that he's going to be delayed getting back from Alexandria where he is and that he would try to send some money on soon. But there's something he says in the letter that in amongst the kind of normal husband to wife stuff is shocking for our ears today. So let's listen in to this letter from a Roman soldier to his wife. Hilarion to Alice. Heartiest greetings. Know that we're still even now in Alexandria. Do not worry if when all the others return, I remain in Alexandria. I beg and beseech of you to take care of the little child, and as soon as we receive wages, I will send them to you. If, good luck to you, you bear offspring, if it is a male, let it live. If it is a female, expose it. You told Aphrodisius, do not forget me. How can I forget you? I beg you therefore not to worry. The 29th year of Caesar. The ancient practice of exposing children was a devastating reality in the ancient world. What it simply meant was if you had a baby that you didn't want for any reason, and in this case, because it was a girl, you could and often did abandon it leave it out on a mountainside or in a bit of open land, you'd expose it to the elements and to the wild animals. Basically, you're abandoning it to die. It's shocking to our ears today, and yet it was common in the ancient world. And it's the normality of it that seems so brutal. That a letter in which he's kind of, you know, heartiest greetings, don't worry about me, dear. I'll send money when I can. Uh, don't forget me. Uh, by the way, if we have a girl, just get rid of it, would you? <laughs> Shocking. And in our society, it's because we value everybody. But in the ancient world, that wasn't the case. There were very clearly some people that were more important, more valuable, more precious than others. And this passage in the book of Genesis is a game changer. Because whether we know it or not, many of the values in our society are founded on some key truths that we discover in these, passage, in these words. Some key truths about how we see ourselves and how we see other people that change everything. The first is this. We discover that we are more precious than we ever imagined. Did you hear, as the words were read to us, uh, how humans were described. 
This comes just after the kind of creation account where all the description of what's just happened and the amazing things about the universe. And then verse 26, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Several times that phrase, being made in the image of God, appears. And that idea of being made in the image of God the idea of being made in the image it was used in three different ways in the ancient world. You'd have statues of emperors that were the image of the emperor, and they were there to kind of convey something important about the emperor. So for those who'd never seen the emperor, by looking at this image, this statue, you'd see something. And so they're often postured with strong, you know, looks and army and military. In other words, it was a representation showing something important about the emperor. So too, we being made in God's image set means that we show something important about God. Amazing. The second way that, that that phrase is used is a bit like a parent and a child. You know, we use the phrase, ah, he's a spitting image of his mum or whatever it might be, because there's something of the parent in the child. So it's not only just the kind of they, they look the same. Actually, there is elements of the child that come from the parent. There's something, therefore, of God in every single person, something divine, a divine spark, as it were, which changes how we see ourselves and changes how we see others. But the third way that phrase being made in the image of God is used is the idea of a king who has kind of his kingdom and therefore appoints deputies to kind of govern over certain regions. You know, the king can't be everywhere. And so they would appoint regional governors to rule and to manage and to care for that particular region. But that deputy couldn't just do what he or she wanted. They were called to rule as the king would want them to rule. And so too, being made in God's image means that we can't just live how we would want to live. We're called to live in the way that the king, God himself, would want us to live. We can't separate out who we think we are and do what we want to do. And I think those three things about being made in God's image change everything. Because it changes how we see ourselves and changes how we see others. Firstly, we can't view ourselves as being less than anyone or unvaluable because that's not how God sees us. There's something of him in you. And so if you've kind of brought up to think that you're somehow an accident or you somehow don't fit or that you're not the success that you thought you would be, that's not how God sees you. You're created in his image. But also it changes how we see other people. So too that we can't despair about ourselves. We also can't despair about others because they're made in God's image too. There's something of God, something that uniquely in them represents God. It's amazing. And this has come home to me in recent years. Uh, many of you will know that uh, we have two children, two boys, uh, one of whom has complex disabilities. And what's been lovely for me 
is as the boys have grown up is seeing how they differ and their strengths and gifts and talents and how they all both have unique things to show, to demonstrate. And what's interesting to me is Caleb with his complex disabilities, there's something incredible that often society doesn't see about those with complex disabilities. You know, he never will bear a grudge, will never worry about what he looks like. He just needs love, care, food, drink, warmth, that's it. Whereas most of us think, you know, it's really important how I look. It's really important what I achieve in life. Those are the things where I get my value. But actually, that's not how God sees us. There's a value and a dignity in every single person. You're made in God's image. You're more precious than you ever imagined. That's the first thing. Second thing, though, builds on that. Not only are you more precious, therefore, actually there is an equality for all. Let me read again verse 27 of Genesis 1. This is what, uh, this is what he, the author says. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There is an equality of both male and female. There's a dignity given by God to both men and women. Now, we all know that sadly, throughout history, society so often hasn't borne this out. We live, even ourselves, in the Me Too era, where in recent years we've had revealed some devastating, some shocking things that do happen and probably still are happening right now in the world, where usually powerful, successful men treat women in certain ways as being less than because they're the most important. And sadly, Throughout history, even the church has sometimes been complicit in those things. The Bible sees things so differently because God created male and female in his image. And therefore, both are absolutely essential to represent, to image God. Both are valuable. There's an equality. And here at Riverside, we've been blessed that ever since the early days, men and women have led together, have been in teams together. And that's not just because of the different perspectives or the different ways of doing things. It actually comes from the very foundations of these chapters of Genesis. That both men and women are essential because they represent God, they image God. And therefore, friends, the beauty of that, of course, is seen in both men and women coming together to create life and also to then rule, to govern as God would want 
us to govern, the task that he calls us to do. And therefore, friends, if you're a woman and you somehow have believed, somehow have been told or shown that you're somehow less important, less valuable, have less to offer because of your gender, that is not how God sees you. You, because you're a woman, are made in God's image. You are essential. You've got something crucial to bring to the table. And men, so too. If you somehow feel you've got to squash who you are, that's not how God sees you. You're made in God's image. Your masculinity is made in God's image. You have something to bring to the table. There is an equality that later on in Genesis we'll see that there's this idea that, that Eve was created out of Adam and therefore out of his side, out of his rib. And it's the idea that, that therefore one can't be in front of the other or behind, actually side by side serving together because both are essential to image God as an equality. That's great, isn't it? So that everybody's precious and there is an equality between genders for all. But there's a third thing as we kind of head towards a close and it's this. There's also an important part that we all have to play. Did you hear uh, what was read after uh, the act of creation? Verse 28 says this. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So having created both in his image, then all humans are given an important part to play. Being fruitful and increasing in number, that's, you know, creating. <laughs> and then ruling. We all have an important part to play. And I think that says something really important. That so often we can think that our value is on the basis of how well we're doing in our job or how we look, how big our bank balance is, whether we've achieved our dreams or not, whether we've found kind of a sort of emotional sense of satisfaction. Because that's not how God sees us. We all have an important part to play in the way we just relate in the world. We have a role to play in the way that we care for his planet. We have a role to play in the way that we relate together with other people. And we're called to do that not how we would want, but because he's the king, it's his story, we therefore are called to do it as he would do it. We don't get to choose the way we relate to others. We don't get to choose the way we govern over creation. We rule as he would rule. We care. We follow his plan. And it's then we find out what God says about all this. Because having said throughout Genesis 1 that everything was good, verse 31 says this, God saw all that he'd made and it was very good. It's only now with humans being created that God says it's now very good. 
Friends, you are so important. And I think as I come to a close, there's, there's two kind of things that that might impact, two ways that might impact us. The first is this. For those of us who have a tendency to despair about who we are, that's not how God sees you. You're crafted, created. You're no accident. You're loved beyond your wildest dreams. For those of us who have a tendency to be devoted to yourself and almost putting yourself as God, that's not how God sees us. He's the king. We're crafted and precious and we therefore image him, but we're not him, but we do image him. It changes how we see ourselves and how we see other people. But the second thing is this. I'm guessing that for some of us watching this, there are labels that we attach to ourselves or others have said about us that we can't shake. Whether that is a label that is to do with your gender, to do with your race, to do with some other aspect of life, what you've achieved, what you want to do, who you are, labels that people have said over you or about you or that you've heard or even you might say about yourself. I think the beauty of these words show that those labels you can be free from. Of course, some labels are good about your racial identity or about how you see yourself. Some of those are really good, but they're not your primary identity. Your primary identity as, is as a human made in God's image. And so friends, this morning, hear what God says about you, not what others say. You are crafted and created, precious in his sight, have equal worth and have an important part to play. That's good news. So let's pray together. And I'm going to pray asking that whoever you are, you would be able to see yourself and see those around you as God does. So should we pray? And you might find it helpful to hold open your hands as it were a kind of symbol of saying, God, change the way I see this. This is game changer. I want to see with your eyes. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we are made in your image. Thank you for what that means. Help me to believe it. And help me to live it, I pray. Help me to see myself and to see others as you do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.